Hey friends, welcome to episode nine of the Learning to Preach podcast. In this episode, we wanna talk about some of the intangibles of preaching. A lot of the stuff we've talked about so far in previous episodes has been related to just very, very tangible things. Building an outline, working on delivery, the tangible, real stuff you have to do to preach. Uh, I want to talk about some of the intangibles, some of the less definable things, some of the things that matter just as much, but sometimes they're hard to quantify and put words to. I've listed five of them on the board here uh, that we'll talk about in this episode. Again, not, this is not exhaustive, but these are five that I'm aware of that uh, have just been a challenge to learn as a preacher. Uh, the first intangible of preaching is prayer. Uh, in other words, and uh, Trevor, I think you mentioned this in a previous episode. Um, if I'm not praying well, I won't preach well. Um, much of preaching is prayer, both the prayer to commune with God in the process of thinking through a text and also prayer for the people who are listening to your message, the hearers, and for what you're trusting God to do through the sermon. Um, I don't know how to really put good content around what effective prayer should look like. It probably depends a little bit the kind of person you are, how you commune with the Lord. But Trevor, you made a good point previously that this is some of the actual best work you can do as a preacher, not just creating your content, but prayerfully engaging God. What do you want to say to me through this? What do you want to say to your people through this? And how do I, when I preach this sermon, effectively stand in a place as your messenger and, and trust you to use me as your instrument? Uh, the best preaching is always saturated in prayer. Uh, the second intangible is unction. Uh, I want to read you some thoughts from E.M. Bounds on the concept of unction. Um, what is Unction, this is an old word that old preachers used to use. You don't hear it as much these days. Uh, here's what EM, but, but it's the thing that when you hear a good sermon, the reason you thought it was good is because there was unction behind it. Listen to EM Bounds. What is unction? It is the indefinable aspect in preaching which makes it preaching. It is that which distinguishes and separates preaching from all mere human addresses. It is the sense of the divine in preaching. It makes the preaching sharp to those who need sharpness. He writes this whole essay on unction. Basically what he's getting at is unction is the sense that like God has put his presence upon what you're trying to say. That there's something more than human ingenuity coming through. That God through his spirit is speaking through the preached word. This is one of the reasons I love preaching is because it's one of the places God promises that he's going to show up and do his work. And so whether I feel really ready and excited to preach or whether I feel really tired and worn out, I know, man, God has promised that he, by his spirit, is going to speak through the preaching of the word. And so there's always a sense of being able to lean back into that divine sense of spiritual unction. The interesting thing in this essay is that E.M. Bounds distinguishes unction from earnestness. Uh, he says, often earnestness is mistaken for unction. He who has divine unction will be very earnest, but there may be a vast deal of earnestness without the least mixture of unction. Um, earnestness is that, you, you know what that word means, is that sense of that you're, you've invested yourself in what you're doing. There's a real sense of passion behind it. But Bound says all of that can be merely human. You can, you can work yourself up into a place of earnestness. Unction comes from the Lord. Unction is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Unction is that sense of the divine 
blowing through your preaching. And so for that reason, it's really connected to prayer. It tends to be an overflow of the time you spend with God and the sense of dependence that you bring to the pulpit as a preacher. So be earnest, but more importantly, lean on divine unction. Here's the third intangible that we'll talk about, spiritual conflict. Uh, You can guarantee if you're going to preach, you're going to experience that weird intangible reality that we call spiritual conflict, spiritual warfare, spiritual opposition. There's something about the conflict of the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness that gets manifested in preaching. I don't really know how to describe it other than to say it's there and you're going to experience it as you preach. I'll talk a little more about what that's looked like for me and I'll invite these guys to do the same. Uh, A fourth intangible, I think, in preaching is curiosity. If you're curious about the text, about God, about how God's Word speaks to human experience in life, if you are actually curious about that as a preacher, people will feel your curiosity in what you preach. If it doesn't feel like there's any sense of interest, any sense of curiosity, any sense that you're longing to know why this matters, your congregation won't experience that in your preaching. So you have to have a sense of personal curiosity. There has to be a sense that you're a learner before you're a preacher, that you're not the person who just likes to dispense information, but there's some kind of hunger in you that just wants to know, wants to understand, wants to have a sense of why God is the way He is, why the world is the way it is, why His Word says what it does. That holy curiosity is one of the intangibles of effective preaching. And finally, I just this is the best way I know how to say it, familiarity with the terrain of the human soul. Do you know your own soul well enough to know places of unbelief, confusion, doubt, lament? Have you navigated enough of that terrain that when you talk about it, people feel like you know the terrain you're talking about? There's a difference between a preacher who speaks about things he's read but never experienced and a preacher who speaks out of the sense of, I know this terrain in my own soul, so let me tell you what it might look like in your soul. Um, That sense of familiarity, the, the Puritans are brilliant at this. It's one of the reasons I love reading the Puritans, because they have a, a deep pastoral wisdom. There's a sense that they've sat with enough people, talked through enough questions, wrestled through enough tough counseling situations to know, here's the places where God's people tend toward discouragement, despair, doubt, confusion. Here are questions people tend to always ask about God. And so let's give voice to those questions. Again, good faithful reading of scripture will open this category up to you because we see all of this in the scriptures. It's just that many of us as young preachers are more concerned to communicate information than to be familiar with the terrain of the souls that we're engaging. And so one of the intangibles of preaching is as I'm sitting out there listening to a preacher, Does this preacher understand the terrain of my soul? Can he name things I'm feeling but don't have words for? When he says something about how God, uh, how I experience God or how God is, does it resonate with my own personal experience and my longings and the things I know have gone on in my soul? If the answer to that is yes, that that preaching resonates with that, there's always a deeper sense of credibility that comes with that. Uh, I'd love to hear from you guys on just what, what, What things do you have to add here in terms of what prayer has looked like, spiritual conflict, how you've sought to seek after unction, those kinds of things? I will say, Bob, just to your last point, the ways that you've displayed familiarity with your own soul, I think even if you're only disclosing self, I think it lends to 
your credibility as pastor of the people, but also it models, even if you don't know what everyone else is experiencing out there, you say, hey, here's how this has looked in my own life. Here's the ways I've wrestled with doubt or cynicism or whatever those things and how they've looked and walking people through. Here's how you evaluate self and here's where the, picture, the scriptures have spoken to me directly on this. It just demonstrates people can pick up those steps that you're modeling and walk that through in their own soul and it just makes it a lot easier for them to be able to have some self-leadership when it comes to being with the Lord and, and sort of understanding where they're at before Him. So, What people most want in a preacher is not an expert, but a fellow disciple. Someone who, you're a disciple of Jesus, and what you can talk about resonates with what I experience. If you preach as a fellow disciple, even if you're 20 years further in that journey than the people you're preaching to, and so there is a, a, wes, a measure of wisdom and experience that you have to offer, I can always hear, are you talking to me as a fellow disciple or are you talking as the expert that sort of has this all figured out and you're just dispensing information? That's a real difference. How do you, how do you determine appropriate vulnerability great. there? Yeah, great question. Um, I'm not sure that I know. Uh, I, th- I think any kind of vulnerability around doubts, questions, struggles, confusion, uncertainty, things people experience in discipleship is good. Uh, the place where I feel like vulnerability is unhelpful is when it sort of becomes self-referential. When, it, when it's sort of like, I'm so vulnerable that I seem to be getting life out of you knowing my vulnerability, which there are some preachers that are like that. I don't find that always helpful. Or when you're vulnerable in a way that feels like it's an open wound and you're not sure how to sew it back up. You know, it, people who are vulnerable and it's too fresh and raw that they, haven't, they don't have anything meaningful to say to it. Sometimes I feel like, hey, there's a big risk there as a preacher that you just lose credibility. So there has to be a sense of that you've walked through this in enough depth that you can look back a little bit at the thing you're being vulnerable about. Um, if there's a place in your life right now that's sort of an open wound, it's sometimes best to work that out in good friendship and then save it for a future sermon. Talking about spiritual conflict and prayer, um, uh, it's interesting to think in terms of spiritual conflict because it does seem to be quite intangible. It's hard to grasp it, but I know we used to talk about, and sometimes even to this day, we talk about the preaching week. Like there's just yeah. the week that you preach, especially if you're not preaching normally, there's usually just some stuff that happens that week that's almost out of, out of nowhere. It doesn't make sense that you just got to categorize as like... You're going to have a fight with your wife. Your email's yeah. going to get screwed up. Your cell phone's going to get dropped in some water or something. Like, all that happens, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is to, go, to connect that with the prayer at the beginning. I think there's such a need to be communing with the Lord and to be self-aware of what's going on in you that week. Mm-hmm. I think more I've realized that a lot of the conflict I experience the week of preaching... Uh, often has to do with just the way my anxiety is manifesting itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I'm not mindful of my anxiety and just what's going on in me, other people begin to feel that, and then that just creates conflict. Mm -hmm. So um, almost being using prayer as a way to kind of, you know, invite the Lord's presence to just give light to what's going on in the inner world, Mm -hmm. um, I found oftentimes is helpful to try to get get out ahead of spiritual conflict. Mm. That's good. I know for me, spiritual conflict, kind of in a similar vein, manifests itself in accusation. Uh, The moment I sit down to prepare a sermon from start to finish, as soon as I open the scriptures and I look at that text, I just begin to be flooded with this sense of uh, this accusatory voice of who are you to preach God's word? 
you have no right to say these things. These things aren't even entirely true of you. Uh, you you're still figuring this out. Or uh, like you don't even believe these things fully and truly yourself. Um, sometimes even getting caught up in my own weaknesses and my own insecurities and my own struggles of, I don't know why it matters because the thing I do in the pulpit that's distracting, I'm going to do again. I can't seem to stop it. Or somehow I'm going to get in the way of God's work and just believing the lie that somehow, uh, I'm an obstacle that is too big for God to deal with. Um, and that often drives me to prayer. And in some ways is actually really helpful to me because it, it reminds me of my inadequacy. It reminds me of my weakness. And it reminds me of the fact that what people need in the pulpit is not me, uh, not my delivery, not uh, my insights. What they actually need is Jesus. And prayer is the way that I kind of get beyond myself to say, man, like, Lord, let the thing that comes through in the sermon be Jesus. In the midst of all my idiosyncrasies, in the midst of all my weakness, let them get Jesus. And I think in some ways it can actually be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the prayer component for me has been helpful in thinking about I need to actually just pray and, and be with the text and the Lord before I actually even prepare. Or like my natural wiring is of like, I'm given Psalm 23 or Psalm 27. It's like, okay, I'm going to read that. And then it's like already I'm trying to make connections and exegete rather than mm-hmm. now in the last couple of years having this discipline of like, no, I'm just going to sit with that Psalm or that text as part of my devotional for a while. And I think that's the benefit of actually being four weeks out. Not everybody has that benefit. But actually just thinking, hey, Lord, how do I need this? And mm-hmm. actually just almost chewing on it, like that that illustration of like, oh, yeah, for a few weeks, I'm just like praying with the Lord of like, how do I need this? Because there's been a few sermons I've been asked to preach or the text. I'm like, I, I don't really resonate with that. But now I've been really thankful that like I sat in that for a while. And now it's I've been able to draw from that well of like, oh, I need it. I didn't need it in that week. But now I need it. You know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. I think just the disciplines of like maybe preparing with prayer or even before preparing, just using it as a part of your own daily devotional or vice versa. Was so. it you that had to preach Lamentations 3? Mm-hmm. When Justin was an intern or a resident, it was like we, we preached Lamentations five weeks and we're like, well, you're preaching Lamentations 3. Sorry, that's what the text is. It's just like a terrible, it's nobody's sermon that they want to preach. And it's the problem is it's the most hopeful chapter in Lamentations. I was like, hey, man, I'm giving you the thing that has the most good news, but there's a lot of bad news around it. Enjoy praying through that. And now we're going to yeah. talk about that. <clears throat> That spiritual conflict for me plays out like a lot of discouragement, a lot of just like, this isn't going to matter. Nobody's going to care. It's not going to mean anything. So, so accusation is one way it plays out. For me, it feels a lot more like, yeah, this is meaningless. It doesn't really matter. Why am I investing this much time in it? So just being attuned to like all the different ways that, that Satan can use our own sort of uh, wiring against us or that can seek to take air out of our sails when we're getting ready to preach just expect that because that's going to happen. Everybody I've ever known who preaches experiences that. And that's just, the, again, we shouldn't be surprised by that. Jesus said that would be the way it is. And so uh, that's part of sort of the occupational hazard of being a preacher is you have to be ready and prepared to face some of those things and to uh, have good friends who can pray through them with you and support you, sort of be like the people lifting up uh, Moses' arms um, in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. Bob, one last thing I would say about prayer is uh, that's the place where I remind myself that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, not my delivery, not my content, not my outline. 
Um, there's a lot of ways that I feel like I can get in the way. Um, prayer is the way that you kind of get yourself out of the way and remember, no, like, there's a lot of ways that this sermon is going to, to I'm going to want it to be better than it is. There's going to be a lot left on the table. There's going to be a lot of ways that this falls short of what it could be. But at the end of the day, the gospel is the power of God and salvation. Jesus is still going to be glorified. God is still going to be at work. And prayer is the way I think, like, I give myself hope, but also, like, where the power comes from for that to actually be true. And the point, too, Trevor, with that is that, you know, spiritual conflict is going to enliven and sort of give insight into where am I vulnerable or, like, where am I insecure? What, what is Satan trying to attack that maybe I need to see? And I need to put that before the Lord in prayer so that that's not the way I carry myself into the pulpit. So that's good. All right, well, here are some of the intangibles of preaching, and I hope that continues to help you learn to preach and learn what to expect as you preach. In the next episode of this podcast, we're going to talk about how to think through a preaching calendar. If you're in charge of planning a series or thinking about a year in the life of a church, how do you think intelligently about planning a preaching calendar, setting up series in a way that that fit well and flow well throughout the year? We'll see you for the next episode.